It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy, with your hosts, Eric, Isaac, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics, such as our current thoughts on the Star Wars franchise, Godzilla, and more. people think this is just they're just going to explore unexplored territory that doesn't necessarily dovetail and then there's other people who are holding out a candle that they use some of the mythology that was introduced in the rebel series because there's like some supernatural stuff besides the force in the rebel series uh like some some what do you call it? almost like some doctor strange multi-dimensional stuff that happens in rebels oh, and no. And well, well, people hope that that's somehow a way that maybe this is just fan, you know, speculation and and fan wish fulfillment. But they almost want they almost yeah they almost want there to be like an alternate timeline, and that that all this Mandalorian, all this stuff, as it continues, it somehow veers into a different future. Um than what we saw in the sequels and then they just some people hope that disney will just pretend like the like the sequels never exist or it's just an alternate timeline and that the future could play out like a whole different way um with but again it's all this fat fan wish whatever that that luke and and solo's story takes a different direction than what we saw in the sequels. that's kind of what people you know, want and hope and blah blah blah. So I mean, those are the three main theories. But this is just a raging debate because nobody really knows um, how this is going to play out. So to provide context to what Eric and what we're talking about right now, because you know we we started recording in the middle of a conversation, of course, because why not? Uh, I asked two quite simple questions regarding because last night was just the release of episode one of the book of boba fett not a bad title by the way i actually don't mind it it's, it sounds interesting um but my two questions were are the with, with kenobi eventually coming and whatever other series they're going to do on disney plus with these star wars shows are they working eventually to like an avengers level heir to the empire uh, adaptation on, on television not on, on a movie that'd be insane if they like had eight episodes and then like ended it with a movie and i'm not talking like the whole trilogy but just like the whole book itself is like eight parts of an episode and then for like the big climactic space battles they like do a movie not a tv movie but an actual movie um and then title it episode seven because that'll like really uh hit the jimmies of some people's and then the second question is which eric was talking about is uh with these tv shows are they using it to uh rewrite and retcon out episode seven eight and nine yeah just out of curiosity for you because you, you've been kind of off the 
You didn't go see Solo. You didn't go see uh, uh, what the fuck's that last Rise of Skywalker? Yes. What what would it like? Would you go see the next Star Wars film they put out, or you haven't kept up with the shows either? That's a good question. The next thing, the 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 only thing that I could see myself going back and watching is if Gennady Tartakovsky directed something Star Wars related. It's <laughs> so weird because you're you know you're always. You're like a lifelong Star Wars fan. You you were always much harder on the train than me. Maybe that's why you've turned on it, because you just cared more than I did. Star Wars, for me, wasn't super close to my heart ever. So, <laughs> To me, not just focusing on Mandalorian, but the Filoni-verse, as they call it as a whole, uh, especially the good stuff, almost all of it's good, except for the one series that nobody talks about, the animated series nobody talks about. Resistance. Exactly. So <laughs> take that off the table. But the other stuff is pretty darn good as a whole and if you have been watching the new stuff there's actually a lot of kick a lot of connectivity between um this bad batch stuff and mandalorian and this boba fett stuff they're they're, they're dropping the in an avengers kind of way they're dropping these little breadcrumbs and things all over the place and and these series take place in very different time frames well as a whole uh so it seems like it's kind of going somewhere who knows where but um but you were talking about like something like if if you had watched the season seven clone wars that, that they released on um disney plus a year or so ago uh the last three episodes or something that like ended the clone wars series they were you put like the last three episodes together and they basically made like a mini movie uh, Clone Wars mini movie. Um, it was and it was so damn awesome. And I I was like, why did they not release this theatrically just for the heck of it? I mean, even just put it out there. It, it feels it's animated. They tried that with the pilot. Yeah. Oh yeah, but that's garbage. That is complete garbage. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was there at the theater for that, and that was garbage. So was I. No, this was epic. <laughs> this was epic. The the last. The last hour and a half of the Clone Wars series is movie-level epic, the stuff that happens. It's super exciting. It's super amazing. And I may have told you all this like when I first spoke to you all. Uh, yeah. But the finale, those episodes, they happen simultaneously with the events of Revenge of the Sith. And you're like seeing the other side of the story that was happening in another part of the galaxy simultaneously. Heroes on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so awesome. I'm sure there's a, ma a, a fan edit that matches them together that, so you can see them happening, you know, all at once. The events in the series and the events of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Like, it's it's pretty amazing. And, uh, and then, like I said, Bad Batch, it, it's like an epilogue in a way. But it's its own thing from Clone Wars. But like I said, it feels even more tied... Uh, some Mandalorian and all this stuff. So they're doing something. They're, they have a plan. None of us really know exactly where it's going. And then you didn't see Solo. So Solo is that same. Oh, you did see yeah, Solo. Yeah, Maul shows up at the end for some stupid reason. Right. And I really, I really wish they had done like a trilogy with that. But so the, one of the other series that's out there is. Um, It'll be in uh, Fallen Order 2. Uh, but one of the series on the docket is um, oh, what's his name Lando mm. and nobody knows like for sure but everyone's assuming and hoping it's Donald Glover reprising the role 
and they're everyone's hoping and assuming that the Lando series will like pick up where the Solo series left off. We don't know, but I'd be fine with that if that were the case. I don't know. Oh, I'd be super happy about that. I really liked Solo. I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, it just felt like yeah, but oh, just the damn Andor series. I. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I love Rogue One, the movie, but the thing about, you know, the whole thing about prequels is you always know who's going to live and who's going to die. And I don't like, and you already, I don't like that aspect of prequels in general, but maybe they'll tie, maybe they'll tie characters between Rogue One and Solo together. Like there'll be side characters that also went to Solo for some reason and they'll be an heir to the Empire, potentially. Yeah. So it won't be Cassie Nandor there, but it'll be his brother that looks like Cassie, his twin brother that looks like Cassie Nandor. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, so if you had watched the Rebels series, um, in some of those episodes, first of all, they deal with some of the, um, like, Thrawn's younger years um, because of the time period. But then by the time you get to the end of the series, spoiler, that's the first time where it feels like, oh, this is, is this the beginning of setting up? Air of the Empire, just the very beginning, like the the hints of it. That's the very end of the Rebels series, um, and it's kind of left in a weird cliffhangery kind of way, kind of the way Empire Strikes Back ends at the very end on the medical frigate. That's sort of how Rebels ends, and and so that's why people are again hoping and assuming that the Ahsoka series will start, will further that, further us down the path of leading to this alternate version of Air to the Empire. Who knows? I don't know. Interesting. Okay, so three. To answer your question, uh, one, I the, the one thing I want to watch is that potential. I sent you that article like months ago, whenever it was. Is apparently they're in development, make, uh, animating that one uh, one of the first treatments for Star Wars itself. Uh, I'm actually excited to really watch that because it's a complete different uh, story in and of itself. That'd be interesting. Hmm. Not aware of that. Yeah, that's the one I want to see. Uh, the second one is more Dune. I'm uh, I'm I'm now like into Dune. <laughs> Just because you know, like I like I told you, Dune is the best Star Wars film ever. Right. Right. Yeah. That that's fair. Well, well that's good to hear. That's good. And to hear. Uh, three. Uh, I just realized everything after Episode Six in 1983. Uh, has has the exact problem everybody has a problem with with uh, what's that series called Star Trek Discovery that's what it is yeah that one mm-hmm. in that yeah. the, the biggest complaint that everybody had was or the biggest fix they could have said was it should have taken place in the future like after whatever the last Star Trek series Deep Space Nine Voyager whichever one out. that one should have been in the future and you know what you know something what if the prequels and Rebels and Clone Wars and all that stuff was in the future after six. That would have been very interesting if you ask me. Hold on, you said that the example you used was it Star Trek Discovery you used? Yes. That's funny you should say that, but I, I can't really comment on that because there's so much Caleb hasn't said. But I mean, seen. Uh, but let's just say that probably that was the original criticism of Discovery, but a lot of, a lot has happened in the series if. If you've been watching, yeah, they went to the mirror universe and then they like went someone else. I Time jumps here, or there. Yep. I can't say too much. I can't say too much. Let's just say that 
a lot has happened. But anyway. <laughs> just across the board, I think prequels are almost always a mistake. I just, I don't see much value in doing them. And they almost always fuck <laughs> things up, timeline-wise. I agree. Generally, yes. However, it, it doesn't really count properly, but Caleb knows I... I, re- I revisited the Hobbit movie trilogy for the first time since it came out at theaters, but recently I just revisited it. What'd you think? I liked it more now in retrospect than I did when I was seeing it, seeing them all at the movies, and I was I was more happy after I rewatched them that they exist now. Um, no, they're not as good as the Lord of the Rings movies, of course, and all that business, but. I've, I guess I've made my peace with them as well. And that doesn't really count as a prequel because obviously it was an original story already, but mm. uh, I've, I've reassessed it. I'm okay with it. Um, and, but, you know, I generally I agree. I don't like this whole prequel business. Whenever they talked about a new Game of Thrones series, like, really? Does it have to be like a prequel type thing? Oh, fireworks over here. Um, but, uh, uh, but speaking... Just what I get from I watch so much YouTube critique stuff on Star Wars. Uh, it seems like people are really happy with exploring this in between Jedi to to um, Disney sequel time frame. People, it seems like the fans at large seem to be very happy in this time period for now, post Jedi. So I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, me personally, I would love it if they just left everything that we know behind. Don't even have to hold on to Jedi's and Sith. I never cared much for Jedi's and Sith, really. Just have the Force, have this overall universe, you know. You could have some of the same species, but stop going to the same fucking planets over and over. And just tell us a completely new story. I don't care if they bring in weird uh, multiple universe stuff. That, that stuff's fine for me. I don't have any sort of tie to any sort of continuity, really. Because I don't think there is a real continuity to Star Wars. So, do whatever you want. Just make it interesting and not not boring shit over and over again. That's what I like about Rogue One and Mandalorian and now the Bubba Fett thing. Which is, we're getting away from, you know, the Skywalker saga stuff. And and all the the family heritage and, and all that. Like, I like just seeing things that just exist in the Star Wars universe. And there's not necessarily Jedi, and there's not necessarily lightsabers, and, and there's all this other stuff. There's all these other... They co- they keep introducing us to different groups who worship the Force in different ways, uh, if you look at all the different Filoni-verse stuff. Uh, and mm. that's what, I like that stuff. I like exploring these other areas of the Star Wars universe and and getting away from yep. just the big bads and the... Uh, and, and, and the big heroes. And getting, like I guess, more on the ground level, I guess, is what it is. Um, yeah, and I like all that stuff too, but I, I still feel like they relied way too much on stuff that we know. Like constantly going back to Tatooine, Tatooine over and over again. The fact that it like very solely focuses on these Mandalorian groups. Like I, I just, I mean, I guess that's kind of new, but just do something completely different. That's that's what I want. And then uh, it's funny you mentioned Dune because when I was watching, you know, that that episode of. Boba Fett that just came out <laughs> because there's a lot of sand people stuff I was just thinking wow because the sand people are basically ba- loosely based on the Fremen and it's funny how different they are uh, <laughs> than the Fremen and I, I would just couldn't stop thinking about that when I was watching the episode like 
this is Star Wars's version of Fremen, and boy, oh boy, are they different uh, than the Dune version. If I may ask, Eric, if you were of all of a sudden asked to write and or direct a Star Wars <laughs> movie, what would you, or, or episode, or series, what would you do? Oh, jeez. I never even thought of such a thing before. Um, see, I don't know what I would do, because again, I, I'm not the right person for this type of job, but... I'm trying. I'm like, I'm like accessing old thoughts I've had about something along these lines. Like, when there was rumors switching to Star Trek for a second, the Star Trek movie verse. When there was rumors that Tarantino was going to make a Star Trek movie of some kind, would have been great. I really like that. I really like that idea of a different type of creative person who has a different style, different sensibility. But then playing in that sandbox. I like that idea. So then, back to Star Wars. And they've done it a little bit, but then they've had cold feet. I think me and Caleb have talked about this before. Like, they try to do they try to do with the Star Wars, Disney stuff, what they've done with the Marvel stuff. Which is they try to bring in new and different directors and up-and-comers. But the thing is, with Star Wars, they would do that, like with Solo. But then they would get scared. Um with the direction then the director was going and then they Disney did its thing and and like they want everything to be homogenized to a degree like everything else Star Wars and and that's why I like that Visions series which is sort of like I guess like let's just call it an experiment that Visions animated series of Star Wars on Disney Plus oh yeah I gotta watch that because that's what that is that's eight or however many parts there is eight completely different creative studios just doing their version of the It's Star the Wars. Animatrix. Yeah, it is the Animatrix, except when it, I've seen the Animatrix, of course, and I've seen the Gotham Knight, which is the Batman version of Animatrix. Studio 4C. And now I've seen, you know, Visions, and I think Visions is by far the best anime compilation thingy based on the IP anthology. that I've seen. Anthology. And I like that Visions thing because some of those things were super interesting, and, and you would just love for some of them to be expanded and others no we can just they were just a good one-off but i like that so i would if i was given the keys to something like this if i had the abilities i would like to make something that fits into the universe but charts like new territory or goes somewhere else and and maybe you know i do like how everything does have that same star wars feel directorially but i think the more we push out of it the better as we keep going forward and i think that's they've made small steps for instance like with the score of mandalorian and boba fett because all the other star wars stuff like clone wars and solo and even rogue one like just on the music side you know everyone's doing an interpretation of john williams because that's what star wars is that's how all the star wars video games are with the musical score but in the mandalorian and um boba fett it's it's new it's different it's it's a it's 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 not john williams-esque but yet it still fits that's just the music side so i wish someone could do something like that but focus on cinematography and focus on storytelling and focus on style. I did like how Rogue One had that vibe of this is Star Wars universe, but it's also it feels like a gritty uh, war movie, like a gritty World War II or something 
movie or Vietnam movie, and I like that because uh, it's just something else. So I would like to see more in future Star Wars things like start to step step outside of the comfort zone and, and experiment a little bit more if, if we're going to keep going with this stuff. I don't know. Thank you. That answer suffices. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that was a very difficult question. <laughs> I, I, I always got to ask the critics. Just like, all right, critics, if uh, th th your assessment is, is decent and, in fact, is probably valid, now what would you do? Uh, uh, me? No, no, no. I just, I just mean in general. Like, when the critics oh. are, like, I always, you know, anybody can analyze anything. But then I got to ask, what would you do with, like, the keys to the tool shed? But I've been really happy with the Filoni stuff, especially the live-action stuff. As I've said before, I like how different episodes can have like a different genre feel. Like, oh, this is a heist episode. Oh, this is a Western episode. Oh, this is like a noir episode. But it's all Star Wars. It's all in Star Wars clothing. Um, Star Wars universe. So, yeah. You know, Caleb, why not? Let's see. What, what do you have? What, you got any hot takes? <laughs> Oh, for, for like what I, what I would do with Star Wars? You are director and writer. Something surreal. Uh, you do a... Maybe maybe not surreal. There is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Well, actually, it is a little in that vein. I always had an idea of taking like a completely different look at Star Wars. Because there's always that ground level kind of Rebels feel to it. I always thought it'd be kind of interesting to do like a weird Cain and Abel story. Where you have like two people who become like basically like galact galactic emperors or whatever and they're separate little sectors one influenced by the forest one influenced by the dark side or light side and dark side and then just kind of watch the story take place from when they first discover and like i said cain abel so brothers in a way and then just watch how they change things over thousands of years and eventually have to collide against each other i, I don't know if that would work well in movie form at all but i always thought that'd be an interesting book that's cool, but that vaguely reminds me of... I forget, Caleb. Have you watched a lot of the Clone Wars series? Nope. Are you talking about the light side, the dark side, and the middle side with, like, the son, the daughter, and the father? Yes, exactly. Vaguely reminds me of that. Have you seen that episode? Or I... Yeah, I did see that little arc. Yeah, I don't remember a ton about it, but I did like that little bit. Wasn't there rumors that that's what Matt Smith was going to be? And, uh... uh what the... F I always keep reading that movie. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, you remember this. Thank you. Rise of Skywalker. No, no, no. The the no. The rumor is, or I, the more updated rumor is, that he was because Rise of Skywalker went through so many different treatments, and so they went so many different directions when they were redoing the screenplay and redoing and redoing and redoing. Understandably so. <laughs> and at mm. one point. Because they, they, they went back and forth, like, is this the original Emperor? Is this the clone Emperor? Like, they were constantly changing that concept. And at one point, I think Matt Smith was supposed to be playing, um, like, young Palpatine clone or something. Or something. Oh, man. And so there was going to be flashbacks to, like, young Palpatine. Uh, oh, no. um, sort of like if he was Martin Freeman playing Bilbo or something. Um, but, but I guess once they did so many reiterations they realized they didn't need those flashbacks anymore once they chose the path they were gonna go with the emperor um so i guess he was oh and then also because it's uh, supposedly because if you just only watch the movies 
you don't really know that the emperor is a is not the original emperor from Jedi. As far as you know, he is the same one who somehow survived Endor. But supposedly, in one of those tie-off movie novels, is where they supposedly canonize that he's not the real emperor; he's a clone of the emperor. But you, but that's cheating because again, you would never know this if you only yeah. watch the on-screen materials. So uh, it's all whatever, whatever. But as I've also learned from watching videos, Disney Plus—I mean Disney—when they took over the whole Star Wars. Lucasfilm universe they said that all the Disney stuff was going to somehow be canon whether it was comic book or novel yeah. but they've already fucked that up like like so that that's already wrong I mean they've already decanonized a lot of the Disney stuff already so that just all went out the window uh, you know so whatever <laughs> yeah it wasn't didn't Lucas basically say the same thing about like I guess legends now it was like, oh, all the video games, all the books, it's all in canon together. Well, that was before Disney. There's a lot of overlap with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying he had, like, the same philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely ridiculous. But, again, that's why people like Filoni, because they have brought so much over the years since Clone Wars started. They've, they've canonized so much stuff, characters and cultures and planets and things, uh... That, that were deemed non-canon, they brought it back and made it so made it real. Um, oh, you reminded me of when you were talking about like different takes on Star Wars movies. The rumor you reminded me of the rumors of what the Rian Johnson trilogy was going to be when that's that that does that no longer exists as far as anybody knows. But the rumor was when he was given a trilogy and he could do whatever he wanted in the Star Wars universe, supposedly. He was gonna like take us to like a different galaxy or something. So it'd be Star Wars, but not the galaxy that we're familiar with. So then he he was gonna introduce like a whole new alien races and everything would just be because some characters would some character or characters would leave the Star Wars universe as we know it and go to a different galaxy, and it was gonna be like this whole so. I don't even know what to make of that. I mean, if it had ever come true or if those rumors are true. Because on the one hand, wow, yes, you're really expanding Star Wars. But on the other hand, what is the purpose, though? <laughs> like, if you take something known and then literally go to a whole new universe or galaxy. So, so I don't know. Whatever. But that's never going to happen now, so don't worry about it. Yeah, for me at least, when I was a kid watching Star Wars, and one of the reasons that I kind of rejected the prequels as they went on, is Star Wars for me was always that kind of spiritual element. It wasn't so much just the aesthetic of it. So when the prequels went on and and especially into the Disney era and it was just like we're basically just taking the look and the aliens and all the spiritual element stuff is kind of super shallow and it's just turned into like the dumb action. It's just kind of like, ah, they, they kind of stripped away the essence of Star Wars and just kept the aesthetic and that just has no interest for me. Uh, it's so... God, it's complicated to think about because a lot, of, a lot of it is that exactly as you described it, but then some of it is different. Um, like some of the, it's mostly Clone Wars, but some of that stuff is really unique and interesting that it exists in the series and in the canon, so to speak. Like, like learning about 
Darth Maul's upbringing and and his quote-unquote brother and all that stuff and how he was raised and how he was trained. Some of that stuff is really actually interesting. And and the relationship he had with his brother. And then the other stuff with um, Obi-Wan in Clone Wars series and how he fell in love with this uh, Mandalorian lady and had this whole crisis of because he had the whole like priest thing like are you gonna leave the church because like sort of like what Anakin did in, in Attack of the Clones um, you know are, are you gonna leave your Jedi ways and, and fall in love with this lady but you know that's against Jedi ways and that, that was a super long deep arc on Obi-Wan it's such a huge chapter of what we know about his character that just wouldn't exist at all without Clone Wars and that's the other thing because you had mentioned Caleb how you know oh it's more Mandalorian stuff but yeah Boba Fett's different and again people would never know this unless they watch Clone Wars but the Mandalorians in Clone Wars they were a completely different faction of Mandalorians than the Mandalorian in the series like they were it they're as different as you know how in Star Trek Romulans and Vulcans are like the same they're of the same race but they're two completely different cultures. That's how the Mandalorians are. The factions in Clone Wars are as different to these Mandalorians as as Vulcans and Romulans. But nobody would ever know that unless they took the time to watch that series. Um, and, and I mean, there's it, it's it, it goes deep. And again, I like the aside from Clone Wars just being entertaining in of itself. It definitely makes the prequels at least attack of the clones and revenge of the sith a lot i enjoy them so much more as movies because i watched 100 hours of clone wars oh uh for for you isaac actually a little while ago i was listening to an old speakeasy bonus that we did and you like gave this whole kind of discussion about uh the droids and kind of how they're handled and what yes better with them yes i remember that yeah and when i was listening to it i was thinking I really wish that they would have, because in the original trilogy, we have this kind of technical, technological empire versus these kind of, what we initially thought were just like monks, spiritual monks. And I always thought that would have been a cool thing for them to explore with a droid army. It's like, here's this kind of hollow empire just thriving on power and advancing technology versus these kind of simple monks who are just kind of improving with within. But of course, they didn't do that with the prequels because the Jedi's and that are just absolutely horrible. Indeed, and completely incompetent. But <laughs> but that could have been cool. Well, that's also because apparently you know Palpatine was behind it all. Oh jeez, yeah. Well, <laughs> but Star- I mean, that's the whole Avatar thing, right? Or the whole Ewoks thing. Um, God, they've done it so many times in Star Wars. I mean, different versions of it, especially I mean in Clone Wars as well, and even in some of the Mandalorian stuff where. Because they always go back to that. Because I, maybe it's because all that stuff was like in the samurai movies too, um, all the time. You know, mm-hmm. the the town versus the whoever, and in that vision stuff, they keep going back to that well as well about nature folk versus techno folk and stuff. I, gosh, I don't know. I'm just saying there's a lot of it uh, in different interpretations. And that was like the whole Gungan thing and stupid Phantom Menace. Um, the ridiculous Gungan army going against the droids. I just mean because they were so inept and yeah, I mean it's weird there, to watch. And the damn it's there superficially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 
feels like there's no substance to it. Right. Right, and I don't know, it's also because of Lucas's ideas on Vietnam and you see mm-hmm. we were the tech we were the empire in that situation from his point of view <laughs> with our advanced armies and our advanced war machines going against the poor Viet Cong in the jungle. I mean, if you're talking about episode 4, it actually makes perfect sense. If you're talking about episode 6, absolutely not. <laughs> it make more it would make better sense if they were wookies. It's funny, sometimes I still get confused by these episode numbers. But it's also weird because you know, cuz uh, Lucas likes to focus on you know, how Vietnam was a big thing in his mind. And so to him, you know, mm. rebels are like liberals and, you know, uh, empires like neocons and stuff. And I, I get it. He made it. That's his thing. But then I always think of it more like in terms of more like the American Revolution. And, you know, the rebels are like the Americans and, and the empire is like England, you know. So, it's, so you, you can pick whatever historical thing you want to think of. To, to reframe it in your own mind, uh, like the allegory. Uh, oh, well, it doesn't work in our end because, like, for us with wars, that would just be like the any of the indigenous up here against Damn. us. So I don't know how that'll work. Uh, oh, you talk about Canada? You mean? Yes. Right, 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 right. Because we don't we don't have very many wars. We like we have separatists, but. Like, there was a universal vote, or there was a there was a vote where everybody wanted the state province in in, in question to remain a part of Confederacy. Oh. So, oh my God, there's so many videos on YouTube that explain how Dooku was like really on the good side in the whole Clone Wars conflict. That if you really look, like what his character was saying and what he was trying to defend. A lot of people have videos arguing that he was actually the side of the good, and the Jedi's were actually helping Palpatine, and so they were actually aiding the enemy, uh, and that Dooku should have won. I mean, if, if good would have prevailed, it would have been du- Dooku's position. I don't know. It's so uh, yeah, it just depends. I, you know, from a certain point of view. And... Good point. Good is good is subjective. Well, they, he had the more he had the more noble cause. Uh, if you look into it. If we pretend like Star Wars politics was real, you know, the Trade Federation and these other groups had done the egregious. Wait, hold on. Now I'm getting mixed up. Never mind. I don't even want to try to explain it because I'm <laughs> going to turn it upside down on accident. And um, I think that's where Caleb and I differ from Eric and everybody else because we're not a part of the discourse. We don't watch these YouTube videos where it is explained and everything. I'm more taking the route of Caleb of just like, let's kind of have our own opinions of it or let's look at it for oh, ourselves. I don't participate in the discourse. I just like to observe what people are saying uh, and just, just to try to get a consensus or try to get an idea of of the, and also the different camps of of the Star Wars fandom and stuff like that. That's what I try to do is just try to see what, what people are saying. And then I have my own opinion separately. Yeah. I've heard those people, and we even discussed it a little bit when we did our uh, Attack of the Clones commentary. Dooku says a lot of stuff that makes him a really interesting character, until you get to the end and realize that he didn't really, none of it was really real necessary, necessarily. Right, right. Like it's it's so, it's so stupid the way it actually. He he's a really interesting character in that one scene where he just says his whole motivation. To go until it turns out that none of it's true. <laughs> 
And it was just all the Palpatines behind it all. Yeah. But then again, that can mirror life, real life as well. Well, I, I certainly wish that they would have given us the more interesting character rather than the nothing character, but that's the prequels for you. Everyone's a nothing character. Having Yeah, having a whole TV series uh, basically to justify every action in, like, a prequel series... That's going really far. I'll say that. That's 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 fascinating. If you ask me, it's going it's going pretty far yeah, to like fix it, fix everything. That was the books too. The books it was like desperate attempts to make sense of just complete nonsense writing. That that's one of the reasons I've always struggled with the Clone Wars because I'm like, oh, I've heard a lot of really cool things, but it's also like, I feel like people use these to defend terrible writing, and it doesn't really work that way, in my opinion. I don't know. I just think Floney was a good fan since the beginning, uh, and nobody knew what Clone Wars would become when it first. And they just said, "Here, we an animated series. We think you can do this because we saw you did some good things on Airbender. So here, go ahead." And I think as time went as time went on, they went, "Wait a second, this shit's getting good. <laughs> like it's not just a kid show anymore." Um, I always say it's for a kid show, quote unquote, on Cartoon Network. There, I've never seen a kid's show that had so much torture, suicide, maiming, and death. Uh, it so takes the cake. Samurai There's so many torture scenes, and yeah. Well, yeah, I know Samurai Jack, but it's just, but then because Clone Wars has so many damn episodes, there's, there's so much of it. Uh, the volume of it is insane. Yeah, because that has money, whereas like Samurai Jack didn't. It's who has the money. Right, right. They also. Uh... Samurai Jack, at least from my vague recollections of it, had a more consistent tone. Clone Wars, you could have a scary like episode like that and then mixed in with something really stupid and childish. Well, th- that is very true. And isn't that show isn't that show one of those things like the young Indiana Jones where it's like completely out of order too? There's like Yes, yes, it is very much like that. Uh well in the early That's days. So weird. It it, it got they worked it out later in the later seasons. Like it got, it became more chronological and made sense. But no, in the beginning, like three or four seasons, it was very young Indiana Jones Chronicles, like jumping all over the place in timeline. But see, I liked it because uh, you're right, Caleb. Yeah. It was inconsistent in tone because um, it was like an anthology series as well. Um, it was like a serial and an anthology at the same time. Because finding its footing, growing. Yeah, well, because because it would it, sometimes you'd have a. A two-episode arc, a three-episode arc, and then, boom, off to the next one. Kind of like Doctor Who in the old days, except non-chronological. But I liked the box of chocolate aspect that you're talking about. Like, oh, okay, this is just some some stupid kitty type of story. But then all of a sudden, boom, oh, no, this now it's a deep one. Again, like Doctor Who. And I always like that about Doctor Who, because you wouldn't wouldn't necessarily like all of it, but eventually... Uh, a serial will come around that, oh, okay, this one's for me. So, you know. You can have the entire world uh, be on their side, be, be in the normal. It can be, you know, absolutely considered normal uh, in, in common sense. I, you, you can say whatever you will, have like 10 billion papers um, verified and uh, peer-reviewed, um, shown it, showed it to me and me read it through every single one of them. I don't believe Ahsoka Tano is Anakin Skywalker's Padawan because <laughs> well, it just doesn't make any sense with four, five, or six. There is absolutely no reason Darth Vader had a Padawan back in those days. I'm sorry. 
she is one of the coolest. Oh, she is the coolest thing that came out of Clone Wars and the Floniverse, uh, because she was reviled when Clone Wars came out. She was like the Wesley Crusher that everybody hated. Like, why does she exist? She's ruining the show. She's the worst thing about it. Oh my god, this is the worst thing. And then as the years went on, she has just become... Goddamn, I freaking love her. I mean, by the time you get to the end of the she's fucking amazing. Uh, and you oh, actually okay. see that how... And, and it doesn't seem like it was a retcon thing, meaning, oh, we've created this crappy character, let's make it better. When you go back, in hindsight, it looks like it was done intentionally. The arc of her being this annoying upstart and you gradually see her evolve throughout but does her complete absence make sense in in terms of the original trilogy like do you still feel like you can watch them and feel like they're one series or well they address this they actually address what you're talking about if you watch the rebel series and and the later clone yeah Wars. the ghost dimension i don't care uh that was it's not just about that, but I mean that was part of yes of the reflection because they've let's just say they've made it made sense in their own way. Um, that is one of the most epic things. Again, you haven't seen it unless you've watched Clone Wars or Rebels. I can't remember what series it was where Darth Vader meets Ahsoka Tano, and that's that's it an epic Rebels. Star Wars moment. Okay, it was Rebels. That was an epic Star Wars moment. I mean. Not just watching the episode on its own, like if you just popped it on right now, but if you had been following along episode by episode and then you got there, you would go, oh shit, you know, wow. Uh, what I mean is, like, you can't just watch the season finale of Game of Thrones season one and go, oh, this is so amazing, this Ned Stark thing. No, you'd have to go through the whole season to get the full effect of then getting Context. to the finale. Exactly. So if you watch that Ahsoka Darth thing in context, it's fucking epic. It sorry. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny with you, Isaac, because uh, that uh, kind of um, retroactive insert insertion of the the character like pisses you off and. A Seok almost a self-inserted original character. Yeah, you just like you can't can't deal. I have so many of those same things with new Doctor Who. I see. But I can just, I can easily brush it aside by saying, well, this is the continuity in this fanfic series that's new Doctor Who. There so we go. I can accept it for what it is, but. <laughs> if you recall, Caleb, maybe maybe you don't recall this, but did I ever say I hated the character? Um, I, I don't recall, but I wouldn't think you would say that. Okay. I don't think you care enough necessarily. I will reiterate here, I don't hate the character. I just hate the fact that they gave Darth Vader an apprentice. I have no problem mm. with the character herself. Uh, no Floney, I don't know. I, I, I I'll say this every time. I don't see how she's Princess Mononoke. That's that's just me. But <laughs> well, it's a re influence. The character <laughs> is fine. She's probably an amazing character. Absolutely. It's just the fact that she's used as Darth Vader's Padawan. That's it. She can have the best character ever, and that's fine. In the first two three years of Clone Wars, everybody felt the same as you. <laughs> like and that now we've all been converted. Yeah, it just doesn't like add up to the time time timeline. What's what's going on here? Yeah, everybody said like, it doesn't make sense, blah blah blah. But again, if you want to go look for fan videos to justify, because you can find a fan video to justify anything, <laughs> it's like, oh well, Yoda did this because you know he, maybe this was a way to give Anakin some more perspective to keep him from 
going down the wrong path, if he could see a younger version of himself, and uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you should believe anything I just said, but I'm just saying <laughs> people will try to explain away anything. Yeah, and of course that's the, yeah, that's just the continuity in this very clearly retroactive continuity that we live in now. Indeed. So it is what it is. I mean, you just kind of have to, you can ignore it like Isaac it does. It was or... so worth it. To see her in live action for the first time, I I was figuratively teary eyed. It just probably like, was a treat. Oh, oh my god! I, what fifteen years in the making? Oh, it's just like wow. Oh uh, eight, and then last year was twenty, so it's close almost. I'd say thirteen. Yeah, I was just pulling that out of my ass the time frame, but but it, yeah, I I discussed well, we discussed this at length somewhere on, on Sci Fi Pilot podcast where we went. We had the same conversation we're having now. Like, no one ever thought, like, this is where we'd be when you, if you had watched that stupid ass movie, uh, Clone Wars movie. <laughs> it's such a piece of crap. Oh, and they they picked a. <laughs> it was a perfect piece of casting with Rosario Dawson, and that was one that Michael yeah. Bean was in too, right? That yeah. episode. I mean, it, it just uh, Bean was in there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. That's awesome. And, and perfect as uh, someone who vaguely knows that character, just, uh, I mean, choosing a really good actress with presence. I thought she was really good in that episode. There's a lot of unexpected cameos in the Floney stuff, like Michael B. Like, there's this damn droid yeah. voiced by David Tennant in Clone Wars. Well, he's not bad, but you're just like, wait a second. Why is this person so familiar? Doesn't Tom Baker show up in Rebels? Something like that? Um, could be. Could be. That'd be cool. Oh, geez. oh, but some other of that fan stuff was like, um, um, what's her name? Katie Sackoff being the live action version of oh yeah of a significant um, Mandalorian from the Clone Wars series. And that was another cool one to see transition from animation to there she is. That about that's cool. I didn't know that. I was sure happy to see. Oh her. yeah. Do we have Mara Jade? That's just my question. Do we have Mara Jade? No. No. Okay. No. S- still no to that. You want to talk about self-insert? That <laughs> she's completely self. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Oh no, no. I well, <laughs> who knows? Oh, but I guess we should probably get this probably get this started here, relatively quick. What were we, what were we talking about? We're talking Star Wars uh, Rebels Episode One. Any any last words about this, Caleb? Um, no. Again, I, I just I'm curious for you, because again, we we come back to Star Wars so much, but you have no real interest in watching any of the new things in the franchise i'm just curious what it would take to bring you back and really what turns you off was it just the uh sequel trilogy just was like you were done or it was that it was the fan reactions as well it was yes it, w- it ultimately was seven but it was or it was six, eight excuse me it was it was how the fans also reacted to eight with like you know death threats that like mm. put me over the edge and of just like I can't be part of a community that you know is okay with death threats, and it's like no, 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 we're not part of that. We're not part of that part, like camp. It's it's all separate. Yeah, you know, it's it's no different than Canada itself, where you have these different areas that are you know we're people. We we, we might make fun of people, and uh, we might make fun of newfies for crying out loud, and newfies might make fun of us. Calling them newfies probably doesn't help. But, like, you know what I mean, right? Where you know, Ontario was the center of the universe. Yeah, but I, I, I do think that that was a very much a vocal minority. That could have been, like, 5,000 people 
versus who knows how many Star Wars fans. So it's it's a little. This is true. You know, it's it, you can't always judge by the loudest people in the room. But it only takes one person to disagree and to you know make a death threat to make the the mood of the room all uh, sad and tragic. Though mm. you can have tons of praise, but it's that one person, that one person that will always get to you who says, "I don't like this," and you should be ashamed of yourself. That person yeah. will always get to you. You can all all other like you know praises just go down the toilet because we always focus on the negative. Ah, uh, well, not 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 so much for me, but I I can understand that perspective. I can usually, you know, just ignore. <laughs> I used to do more. It used to bother me more when, when forums and things like that and the internet was more of a newer thing. Um, but I that stuff it. it how do you describe it? It's become so prevalent that it's irrelevant <laughs> now. Yeah. That, that and that's. So, so like I used to love Twitter. Twitter used to be my favorite social media thing, uh, you know, however many years ago. And then it just kept getting worse and worse because the conversations all, like, um, what do you call it? Um, Escalated, got out of hand. Devolved, devolved into garbage. Like there was no more yeah. substantive, substantive like discussion anymore, and so then I really stopped using Twitter because it just wasn't the same, and it was nothing like it was initially. But I made my peace with it, and so now I can check Twitter now and then, never like I used to in the good good old days. But now I can I can wade through my timeline and ignore the eighty five percent of noise, quote unquote. Of just garbage mm. and i'll just pick out oh here's something substantive okay and yeah now i only spend what 10 minutes on twitter a day whereas back in the day when i used to spend like eight hours a day on twitter um back in the heyday when i used to love it that's good <laughs> and kind of but the pathetic thing about a lot of that negativity is a lot of it's not even necessarily their real opinions it's just kind of the inflammatory stuff that they throw out on a bad day and you get them on a different day they would think something different or act different so it's hard to even really you know take any of the that kind of stuff too seriously because a lot of it's just performing in a way yes and i yeah or they're trying to bait you into getting yeah and again in the early days of this type of discourse and i'm talking about like mid-2000s um i even fell into the trap once or twice where i got into these silly debates just it was like just for the fun of it you know like, I didn't really care what we were debating. I'd be like, really? You know, and just being, like, bombastic and over the top in in my response. But then I, I got over that, like, really quickly because it wasn't very entertaining for very long. So, I mean, I get it. I, I've gotten into a couple Twitter spats with strangers, like, in the last couple, in the last two years. Because I don't usually say very opinionated or whatever type things on my Twitter but the two spats I got into with strangers, I thought it was so silly because my initial thing, whatever it was I said that ticked them off, I, w- I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to disagree with whatever they were saying. I was actually sort of trying to defend whatever it was they were saying, but they just misread or misinterpreted what I was saying, and that's what set off the, the, the fight, quote-unquote. And that's, I mean... I mean, yes. Yeah, so I, obviously, I don't know. It's just, it's all pointless. And I was trying to tell a person I wasn't even 
disagreeing with you. I don't know why you're so. It's just because they miss they misread they misread what I my comment. Uh, and so you know again, what's the point? There's no. I'm not trying to fix anybody or trying to fix someone to understand what I was trying to say. Yeah, and some people just like feed on that negativity too. It like gets them off in some weird way. I don't know. Who who knows? Who can who can understand? That's that's why I just yeah I try not to participate too much or pay much attention and yeah because this this only came up because we were talking about what turned off isaac from the the star wars kind of kind of experience and he was saying that a lot of it was the negative fans just putting him off so oh that is totally the 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 megaphone for for those who are the most incensed uh there's a megaphone on the people who the grossest people who didn't like the new star wars stuff and then there was another megaphone for the other minority who absolutely 100% loved all the new stuff. And mm. and most of us, I think, are in the, in the silent middle ground majority that we don't have those extreme feelings. Minority. Well, no, I think majority. No, I think it is the majority, yeah. <laughs> okay. Actually, no, you're right, it is majority. Because I think those ones who are the super haters and, and the super passionate lovers of... I feel like they're like the eight percent at the top and the bottom of the spectrum, and and the rest of us are in that large middle range where we don't have s such strong opinions where we're gonna like fight to death over it, and we're just caught in between. Yeah, in real life, they're so inflammatory that they just dominate all the conversations. Those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and another thing, Caleb, I guess, was the fact that there wasn't really a a plan, and it wasn't. Mm. very well written initially uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you couldn't take liberties from it but just at least some consistency should have been maintained between directors and you know that is the most bizarre thing Johnson got to do his thing yes he, he <laughs> got to he got to make his own movie and he's probably so proud of it I mean, i'm not gonna deny him that um but maybe one day i'll understand but i i certainly don't understand right now i will just say that me neither <laughs> But it's interesting because I remember for so many years, me and you would have debates about the prequels and I would say similar things and why I just couldn't stand them. And you would, you know, maybe not fully defend them, but you'd give them certain passes. And maybe it was also, you know, you turning around on the prequels while the sequels were falling apart. Maybe that's another thing that kind of added to your turning off Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I'm usually 10 years behind everybody. Uh, it's just the nature of my of, of me of my, literally of my brain so uh, you, you, you again you were born you, you were not even born you developed quicker than I ever did so you know I'm 20 years behind you are so I'll have I'll have your opinions in another 10 years to, to be fair when you were turning off the prequels so many people were rediscovering them as brilliant pieces of work don't you remember that <laughs> yeah but we went through oh. all three of them and realized that these aren't exactly well-made films there's potential for them absolutely but they're not very like this it, it, when it comes down to it, the story just does not work unfortunately so yeah, not at all we couldn't give them passes anymore so it's like and even six has problems with that you can see as you said you can start to see um things getting uh what is it you, you could start to see things falling apart um except for at least it, it sort of comes back around with the ending but everything like literally you could skip like almost the whole movie and only focus on scenes with Luke and Vader and, and just say, like, that's kind of the the reason why Six should exist still. Yeah, everything else is pretty pretty damn sloppy. But, yeah. 
Are you talking about Jedi? It's still fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I had the same occurrence happen to me, like, uh, over the course of my lifetime uh, as I got older. Yeah, it, it took me years to figure that out about Jedi. Could you imagine if there was just a cut? Somebody probably has made it out oh, there, yes. but it was just, like, Luke's cut where we only see, like, Luke going out to, like, find Vader. And it's not even the Death Star. We don't even see the Death Star 2. It's just like, oh, we're in some space station or some, or another Star Destroyer or something like that. That would be cool. And what's super funny is because... So Jedi was the first Star Wars movie I saw at the theater that I can remember the experience. That's amazing. Um, that is amazing. So I remember waiting outside, you know, the line outside the building. This is before multiplexes were a common thing. And I remember going in. I remember seeing the movie. And especially when you're a kid... You know, the newest one always seems like the best one of whatever franchise you're watching. So it would definitely seem like this is the best of all the Star Wars movies by far um, because it had the most going on with effects and and the biggest battles and blah, blah, blah. And what's funny, I very much remember as a kid um, all the Luke stuff. That was all the shit I had to skip. <laughs> uh, all the Luke and Vader stuff, the conversations. As a kid, we, we need to skip through that. The first part we had to skip through was the whole Dagobah thing. I would always fast forward that on the VHS tape when I was a kid. Get through all the Dagobah stuff and then get through the damn conversations and then just be all about the battles and the action and all that stuff. Um, yeah, and it's funny how I you know, obviously turned around big time on that movie over the years. And I also was going to say, with the prequels, I was an old enough age at the time when they all came out that with every single one of them, the prequels, I saw them opening day. I loved every single one of them when I was coming out of the theater that first time. Uh, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Like, I don't know, pick some movie that's epically loved, like, I don't know, uh, like Terminator 2, or I don't know, things that people, uh, Avengers Endgame. That's how I felt coming out of the theater when I saw Attack of the Clones the first time. Like, I had just watched Endgame. And I was so in love with it. It wasn't until the DVD releases, and then you started watching it more. And then that's over time, and it happened individually with all three of the prequels, where I always loved them. And then, then it would be the reflection later, and then like, wait a second, and then rewatching it, and then all the flaws will start coming out, and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But I loved all three when I was coming out of the theater. <laughs> the only Star Wars movie that ever disappointed me coming out of the theater was the one, the stupid um, Last Jedi, because I had the same thing with Rise. I pretty much liked it all, and then it's just oh, more wow. problematic later, later in, in retro, you know, in hindsight. I didn't think it was perfect, but I was satisfied at the time. I remember sitting in there with my family in a packed house in the IMAX. It opens up with uh, the shots of that weird, like, strobe effect with Palpatine. And I just couldn't help oh, yeah. it. I was just giggling to myself, and my, my family was glancing over at me. <laughs> I was not giggling. <laughs> and I just kept having to hold back laughter like the whole movie. Oh, dear. No, but Last Night is the only one that I felt uncomfortable in the theater. Uh, because things mm. felt wrong. Holdo, fucking Holdo, the fucking Vegas planet, and then that crazy ass Holdo maneuver. I remember feeling uncomfortable in the theater. <laughs> like mm-hmm. something's not right. <laughs> I remember when we walked out, me and Isaac, 
I immediately had to find a seat to sit in because I just felt like I got punched in the gut. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And Isaac had seen it beforehand and didn't tell me. And so the whole movie, I kept glancing over at him like, what the fuck? And he would have this very muted reaction. I was getting infuriated at him. So I was like, why is he not pissed off by this? What's going on? <laughs> so. And then I told him in his his car. That was a very strange screening. Yeah, but, but turn down the sound and then just watch the movie in 4K. It's the most fucking beautiful looking Star Wars movie. Uh, Skip the, the story. Watch it for the effects. No, no the, the cinematography, <laughs> the effects, the colors, the direction. It's fucking gorgeous. It's the movie itself, though. That's completely uh, fucked. I, I think nine. I think nine looks even better. I think nine looks amazing. I have to. I haven't actually watched it many times. Period. Uh, not well. Eight and nine to be. Force Awakens. I've watched many times, but not so much with eight and nine. Okay, so Eric, why did you? Uh, why 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 didn't you like Shape of Water? Oh God, because. Oh. It was built up, and I thought it was going to be amazing. And, you know, there's plenty of... I like most everything Guillermo Toro's done that I've seen. Uh, I like almost all of it. And I thought this could be fantastic. This could be epic. You know? And 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 it, as the story unfolded, I kept waiting for it to go to another level. Something unexpected. But everything happened as I expected it to happen. And there was no twist or surprise. And that just... Ugh. And I, just, I didn't really glom on to anyone in the movie at all uh and mm. so i was just kind of listless there and uncomfortable and feeling like i made a mistake dragging my sister out trying to convince her this is going to be awesome and then it was just like oh this is all did this. she like it she thought it was okay but mm. she wasn't blown away or anything Long story short, the hype and the uh, Academy Award nominations killed it. Yeah, that's that, that's basically what happened to me. Because, yeah, I saw it knowing that it was being nominated for Best Picture and all that. Mm. Now, I did find it interesting that sometime after seeing it, I can't remember if it's the original Paddington Bear movie or the sequel, um, but I was watching a little bit of that, of one of those Paddington Bear movies, uh, a year or so after seeing Shape of Water. And I forget the actress's name, but the one who's in Shape of Water. She's also in the Paddington Bear movies. And whichever Paddington Bear movie I was watching, I think it was the first one. There's a scene where the restroom floods to the ceiling and then the water comes out. And I thought, what are the odds that she started two movies <laughs> where that same situation happened in two wildly different movies? at that yeah it's in her contract but that's a fun game <laughs> yeah it's a fun game if you ever do that like this actor playing you know this and this and the same thing or whatever it's a fun game uh, uh yes yeah, so not too many people can say that they've accomplished what she has uh, yeah because <laughs> paddington floods the whole restroom and then they open the door and all the water comes out well hey she was also in uh godzilla Godzilla 2014 and uh, King of the Monsters. It's a segue back Forget here. how she died there, but I, I, was, I was about to say, did she die by flooding? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't remember correctly. But anyway, I respect your opinion, Eric, of uh, your, your take on Shape of Water. So that's why I'm hesitant on Nightmare Alley right now, because I, 
Very well. Can't trust Guillermo. Uh, I'm going to probably try to see West Side Story this weekend. I could see a lot of people not liking Nightmare Alley, but but I quite liked it. I, but I've got a thing for carnival movies or, or shows. So maybe that's just a bias of mine that made me enjoy it more than other people would. Um, it's got a great cast all around. Just a whole bunch of people show up. I can see that. I'm, I'm looking at it right now, the cast. But I don't know. I don't know. Yep, it's true. It was shot digital, and then they they um they developed it on thirty five millimeter film, and then scanned it back to digital. Holy shit, that's amazing. Well, I mean, I guess I guess it worked. The film looked fantastic, so you know, fair enough. It being Dune, by the way. Sorry for context. It was Dune. Yeah, but yeah, no, it looked great. Didn't have that too clean look or fakey look. That's exactly the reason they did it. Um, is they wanted to uh, reduce the digital sharpness and elevate the softness. That's crazy. Yeah, because as much as I really like Battle uh, Lita Battle Angel, I feel like that one suffers a little bit from the too crisp, little bit fakey look of uh, just straight digital. But what can you do? I mean, you know, it's just the way they film these days, especially Rodriguez. He's always, always been digital guy. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, but so you know, I saw the Hateful Eight Roadshow, which was the seventy millimeter projection on on traditional film, which was kind of cool, but the projection was so perfect, you almost forgot that it was analog, because <laughs> I only kind of noticed it at the beginning and the end, uh, like a little bit of jitter. But I remember Dunkirk, so I saw it IMAX first and that's of course amazing because it's huge and loud as hell it's like one of the two loudest movies i've ever seen or three loudest movies i've ever seen in my life um <laughs> and it was amazing because you know it is imax and it's humongous and you're like in the movie but then i saw um a 70 millimeter analog screening and okay the the sound was not as good because it was much quieter i didn't like that um and because 70 millimeter, 70 millimeter is extra skinny, it, it didn't feel like super immersive the way IMAX was, where it was like swallowing me. It was more like looking through a letterbox, you know, an old school letterbox. Uh, but I remember the colors were so rich, like, like natural HDR. And I remember, oh, I was like, that's what's so good about film. Is it everything had like a deep rich look to it where the IMAX of course was just clean and I also watched it 35 millimeter digital which was clean um, but yeah that's the thing about analog is the colors like just mm. delicious you know little trade-offs nothing's perfect quite yet I'm sure one day we'll get a, a perfect blend of everything but you always trade off yeah, and I'm still disappointed like uh, like with the uh, Blade Runner 2049, and they've already announced for Dune on the UH, on the disc. It's not going to open up for the IMAX scenes uh, the way Nolan likes to do his mm. movies uh, and certain other people for home presentation, which I like. I like when the movies open up um, mm. at home. You don't like it? I prefer consistency. The constant switching in Nolan movies just I find endlessly distracting. If I had a choice, I'd just take consistently big all the way. But mm. I find I find the transitioning worked for me in Interstellar, 
um, in particular. Uh, because every time it opened up big, it was like, oh boy, get ready. And then and then some serious stuff would happen in that movie. Um, but I like the opening up of the frame. And I really like the way Blade Runner 2049 was when it opened up. And I lose all of it on the home edition. And, it bothers, and I wish my TV would zoom, but it won't let me zoom if I'm watching a 4K source. <laughs> so I have to just leave it skinny. And it, it, it just doesn't feel the same. And so, yeah. And Disney did this. They're the first digital platform I know to do this. Um, because, like Interstellar, only on the disc does it expand and contract. Um, it doesn't do that on the digital copy, even if it's 4K. Um, by the way, as far as I know, Transformers 2 was the first movie to do this at home. Uh, transition between IMAX to regular. But anyway... Um, uh, Disney to try to incentivize people to get on to check their stuff out. Disney Plus. Um, about three months ago, they started presenting the IMAX versions of their MCU stuff streaming only. In other words, while you're watching the streaming version of the movie, it would open up to the IMAX version. And as far as I know, nobody's ever done that with with the digital streaming stuff. Like it's always been disc only, and so it, it, it. I'm not gonna lie. It caused me to go look at some of those MCU movies on Disney Plus because I don't have them all. Well, I especially well, they, they're not all available in their IMAX forms. So I I did go check it out just so I could see some of the IMAX scenes. Um, I think as much as I love Infinity War and Endgame, the one thing I find very disappointing about both of them is that they had scenes that were actually shot on IMAX cameras and I could never tell when I was watching the movie. Like normally you can tell when a filmmaker switches to the IMAX cameras because the clarity gets, you know, whatever. And there's so much digital CGI and green screen and all that other stuff. You, I can't even tell. Uh, in those movies that they actually so i feel like they went through all the effort of doing imax and you can't there's like no result but whatever it's like my only critique of those movies yeah i think i think both those movies are actually not not quite ugly but just compared to some other mcu movies just kind of visually unimpressive i find them both kind of disappointing in the, in that way and i thought they'd be much more interesting with all the cosmic stuff going on but there was moments that I remember looked good. I remember the opening of, I guess it's the end game, when Tony Stark is by himself and he's like, or he's with What's-Her-Face at first, and then he's like starving and they're in the ship. Um, in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Are they in, are they in the Milano? Whatever. Mm. I remember that stuff looking pretty darn detailed at the IMAX. But but also there's a lot of slow moments there mm -hmm. where you get to like really stare at the at the background of the scenery. But but yeah, but the problem with the MCU movies in general is that they farm out their because they have so many effects, they farm it out to like fifty different digital houses. So it's not like the old days where Weta did it all or ILM ILM did it all. Now it's it's all farmed out to multiple sources so it just depends 
like who got contracted to do that special effects scene that's fair method studios does one part and then several other ones do uh, the next yeah that that's that's how it works sadly i actually wonder what infinity war would have looked like had it been made in the 70s oh oh no i mean that's that's a that's a weird oh, oh, thought exp- no. because because the original Superman is about as good as you're going to get for superhero in the 70s. Did you ever see that one? I forget that guy's channel, but it's um, it was like, what if Wes Anderson directed X-Men First Class? Okay. Did you ever see that? I don't think so. But do you mean, I mean, no, I don't think I've seen that, but I can imagine it. Or It's pretty, uh, it's a pretty unique video here. I'll, uh, I'll go find it quickly. But you, what, what, uh, what, what's going on with Sean? Is he okay? Is everything all right? Oh no, no, he's fine. I was just gonna say, me and Caleb are happy now because our mutual friend Sean, um, he actually started checking out Mandalorian because he's a little bit like you in that he doesn't want to look at, he doesn't really want to watch any of the Star Wars stuff that's Disney influenced because he really hates Disney, um, and he never watched any of the new stuff because he refuses to pay for Disney. But because he exchanged yep. codes with a friend, um, like he traded his HBO Max for his friend's Disney, and so he's not paying for it, so he's willing to check it out, like what Disney Plus has to offer. So he an equal trade. <laughs> yeah. So he started checking out Mandalorian, and it turns out he really likes it, and so me and Caleb are kind of happy about that. That's good. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. he found something uh, new to watch, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because if he's seen any of the Disney stuff, it's very little, if if any at all. So, so that's good. Yeah, so the brief interaction I had with him was uh, he, he was not exactly fond of new Disney stuff. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, he, yeah, he was all against the company and, and them screwing things up and blah, blah, blah. And them owning everything. He's all against all that stuff. But when you said Infinity War, like the seventies, you mean if it was actually produced in the seventies or produced like in a with a seventies aesthetic? No, I do mean if it was produced in nineteen seventy six, for instance. Oh, geez, I, I, that's too much to even imagine, since up to that point there was only one legitimate superhero movie that existed up, up, you know, in the seventies, and like. Infinity War is so big, so many moving parts, and the effect would be so limited. Ugh. That's like asking if you would have um, somebody direct a Captain America film in the 1940s. Like, what would that look like? Captain America. Right. Now, we can look at the TV shows, you know, like like the live-action Superman. That's actually... Well, no, I've only, I haven't seen that much of that, actually. I can't say too much about that. Um, but it's different if you think like big budget but nothing was done like that because like me and Sean because we watch movies of all decades and we talk about them all the time like Gone with the Wind Wizard of Oz when you watch them fully restored they're incredible and same thing Metropolis especially if you watch that one um, fully restored because those movies are pretty much using the same special effects 
as like the original Star Wars movie. The only difference is they had all the the computers to control the models for the stop motion. So, I mean, they didn't have that technology. But the visual effects, the standard visual effects, Star Wars was using the same effects as they were using in the 1930s. And those movies hold up. Like, like they look as good as anything produced pre-CGI. In fact, they look better than most things. Um... But that's just because they had the crazy budget of the big studio, and they went all out, and they were like, you know, the the first color movies, and so they they like spared no expense for those two, but they started making things cheaper, obviously after, which is why movies that came after them don't even come close, because they just had like unlimited budget, sort of. Yeah, and I don't know how long Metropolis uh, was in production. How long it took to make it, uh, do all the effects for it, how long it was shot for. Uh, I don't know that off the top of my head. I would assume probably for a, a good while, maybe at least five years in development, I could potentially see. Sure. But that's also a thing that they had. If you have time, you can make something look really well if it's polished. Oh, they look... Oh, my God. You would think they were made... Yeah, you... Like, you would think they were made in 1980 if it wasn't for the obvious things that... Like the way people speak and whatnot, but those movies look perfect, and and they have um, what do you call it? Uh, they have force, uh, first force, force perspective. They have uh, matte paintings. They have massive sets. They have models. Like they have just all the same stuff as Star Wars. It's just they have C three PO. Of course, it's, it's so much like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they have C three PO. Absolutely. But it, it blows you away how big the sets are. Like, there's scenes in Metropolis, I don't know if you've seen the whole thing, but there's scenes that remind me of, like, in Fellowship of the Ring when they go into the Mines of Moria and you see the columns and you see, like, how big it is um, where the orcs come out. Like, Metropolis has scenes that look just like that. Like, just as grand, just as huge. And you can watch it now and be like, how did they do that? Like, how did they make that look so real? It's crazy. Well, when you have to, when you have no uh, crutches and you have nothing to rely on and fall back on, you have to make it look as good as you looked. And I think the only crutch they had was uh, it could have been so gaudy. Like, if you if you looked at it in real life, those sets may have looked like completely terrible. But the fact that they had when I say I don't, I don't mean they look terrible. I just mean like maybe they used blue paint or something like that. They had the added bonus of being in black and white, so the blue could have like added to the dark nature of the caves. Who knows? All right, sure, sure. And it's weird because at the time when Metropolis, because it's it's German made, and at the time the Germans were making like the best looking movies in the world, like as far as special effects and looking huge. Um, but then they never they never got back to that after the war. I mean, like they they were the best for a while, and that was that. Well, yeah, there was this thing called World War II that happened, and unfortunately, there was a hard separation between <laughs> yeah. Nazis and Germans. So uh, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, the economy kind of went under, and yeah, maybe one maybe one day German filmmakers will return. <laughs> yeah. However, Dark on Netflix is a. Uh, Still one of my all-time favorite Netflix shows, and it's the first German Netflix production. Uh, there's more now, 
but it, but it was the first. Yeah, I still gotta check that show out. Oh, it's fantastic! It's fantastic. Um, if you had like three weeks to binge nothing else, or maybe four weeks, three or four weeks, you could watch the whole show and just. Well, that's what I did basically, is I didn't watch anything for three weeks except for Dark. I just <laughs> binged the hell out of it. Long seasons or just time? Well, I think it's three seasons, something like that. But it's like 16 episodes, and each episode's like at least 45 minutes, you know? So eh, oh, okay. it takes a bit of a while to get through it. <laughs> oh, so worth it. Oh, so worth it. Um, I still think it's one of the best, most unique takes on time travel. Um, yeah. Just when you thought everything had been in time, been done in time travel, Dark has like a little bit of an, a unique spin on it. I mean, I only know two things that have time travel. Doctor Who and Back to the Future. Right. Tenet. Well. No. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that's inverted entropy. Exactly. That's not, I don't count that it's as time travel either. Um, <laughs> well, and, oh, unless you want to call that a unique take uh, on time travel, but it's definitely not your traditional. Oh, and if anybody says, oh, what about Interstellar? That's relativity. That's a different story. Yeah, yeah that's something else too. But um, I guess Harry Potter. But when you start watching Dark at the very beginning, first first thought is, oh, they're doing like Stranger Things. Oh, well, that's already been done. Mm. Um, at the very beginning. And then you go, oh, time travel. So, and you think it's going to be back to the future roles. But then I won't say any more after that. But but you might get turned off because you think, oh, I've seen this all before. Nope. No, you haven't. Just go a little bit further. <laughs> oh, uh, just before we start this up here, did you watch that new Doctor episode last night? Or I guess two nights ago? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I have it. It's it's on deck. I was watching Godzilla <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> so I, I I'll I'll get to it. That Godzilla, and then I got like two and a half more episodes of Cobra Kai, and then I'll be sad again, waiting for another season, which they're already shooting season five. So good hmm. on them. Yeah, I'll say this for you, Isaac. Uh, on the first, I watched day one, the brand new uh, WWE. Uh, pay-per-view oh interesting okay and immediately after that i watched doctor who and just the like i love day one i was completely into it just absolutely love that thing then the doctor who just i was just like i i feel so apathetic like i could just be watching just paint dry rather than watching this <laughs> what's okay so without without giving anything to um giving anything to eric there what's the synopsis that's that's all the a brief synopsis uh it's just it's just it's like a like a Groundhog Day episode with the Dalek. There's really not much more to it than that, really. It just, especially after the whole season-long arc flux, it just feels like a completely inadequate follow-up. Like, Well, that was my question you just answered. Yeah, it's like it was almost like that whole season was pointless watching this episode, which, of course, is very disappointing. Well, that's my <laughs> question that I, that I didn't ask. Um, oh, God. And what, there's like, I forget how it works. Is there like three more specials over the course of the year and then RTD takes over? Something like that? Yeah. Whatever. I don't care. And yet you're still going to watch, so you do somewhat like... In, in, oh, in I, I will watch it. 
Oh, I will watch it, no doubt. It just as we said last episode, you're basically just waiting for Shin Godzilla uh, in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Did we say that? Come back. <laughs> Caleb mentioned it. If we did, I don't remember. No, we did. Yeah, we did. You, you did mention this. Interesting. Because um, you were holding out hope for Godzilla to like have Shin Godzilla one day, and then you did. So it's the same thing with uh, with, with with Doctor Who. I like that sentiment, except I think waiting for a Shin Godzilla in Doctor Who terms that feels like too. I, yeah. I don't need that's too lofty a goal to me. I'll just take something adequate. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be Shin Godzilla. Um, um, although, oh yeah, I already I already got the complete set of the '90s Godzilla series, which I think is amazing because it's like 40 episodes, 14 hours of content, and I, it cost nine dollars. Which and it was like brand new. It seems ridiculous. Good deal. <laughs> where did you uh, Where did you find that? It's just standard Amazon. Um, nothing, just a regular purchase, nothing fancy. Um, and so I already got that. And I just started watching the first episode for a second. It picks up right where the movie ends, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and what was the other thing? Um, Godzilla, Shin- oh, Shin Godzilla. I saw this video like yesterday or so on YouTube talking about Shin Godzilla. And I don't, Again, it's one of those things that I don't know where this guy... Oh, I guess he got the information from the Shin Godzilla art book or something. Like the official Shin Godzilla art book. Um, Interesting. I guess it, he, he took some stuff out of the art book. That, like some unused... Um, what do you call it? Uh, Assets? Well, like ideas. You know, things that they were hashing out and drawing that were never used in the actual film. And he took that stuff and extrapolated what Shin Godzilla may, may have turned into, even if it was maybe just them spitballing, like in the writer's room or something. But, uh, so you know how, you know, obviously you've seen the movie, and you know how Godzilla is going through these different forms, like it goes to the larva form, and then of course it becomes like the Godzilla form, and then... It I could have my, wings. Right, could have wings, but that would have been like the third form, let's say. And then like it would have turned into like a humanoid at some point. Or it would have spawned multiple humans, like like people size things, like bipedal things, like humans, but born of Godzilla. But then it would just it would have kept going and <laughs> this video went to insane lengths that um that Godzilla would go to like a tenth form. Uh and each form just kept getting more crazy, like the further it went. And then eventually, a, mi- a micro universe would be created inside of Godzilla's body. Um, oh boy. And that it was like similar to our universe, but like more basic. But that an entire universe would develop inside of Godzilla, and Godzilla would be the tr- would get to this god form because the whole universe was like inside the Godzilla's body and Godzilla was like the god, you know, of the universe of the micro universe. Um it was it was insane. It was truly truly insane. But I, I don't know how much this guy was putting his own spin onto things or how much of it was actually in the art book. But I don't know, whatever. Whatever. And I guess it's kind of a cool relation with these two kind of different franchises uh the animated series and shin 
Right, right. I think the uh, I think the other word you're looking for is cutting room <laughs> or cutting floor. Should we get this uh, get this going? The proverbial theory was that uh, what is it that because of like Godzilla being able to spawn, you know, other organisms, the proverbial idea was that he was gonna lead to like every single kaiju being formed. Oh, just off the. Oh, okay. Hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Though. That that was the idea that that's that's how we have Mothra, we have Rodan, we have Ghidorah, we have all these. He's basically, he's literally the birth of kaiju films, of of these next kaiju films. If that makes sense. Yeah, one of them did that. Um. It may have been Biolanti, actually. I think Biolanti was formed by uh, Godzilla. Do you remember, Eric? It's It's been a while since I've seen that one. There was something... Uh, I can't remember how Biolanti... But I remember... Oh, it started off with the space slugs, didn't it? Or not space, but slugs. like the, Or not slugs. They were parasites that had grown huge. Um, hmm. Perhaps. I mean, yeah. I think there was some connection there. But uh, I, I should watch that again. Maybe Destroya was also the same thing. One of the other Heisei ones, but oh, but anyway, yeah. It is kind of funny that, I mean, a lot of these big franchises—Doctor Who, James Bond, Godzilla—I think of them all in a very similar vein, and they have a very similar kind of place in my heart. But it's funny with Godzilla; they did a similar thing where every time they would try to reboot, they would go back to their serious roots. First is Return of Godzilla, Godzilla 2000, then Shin Godzilla, even, I guess, Godzilla 2014. It is funny that they do that same thing with Bond, and it usually has the same reaction where the fans are like, hey, bring it back to silliness. I would also add uh, Batman to that. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, and even Star Trek sometimes, uh, if you just look at the films, I mean, over the course of the the years and decades. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, it is funny that they do that, and the fans just... But I love the the serious stuff. I love the silly and the serious, but I think I maybe lean a little bit more to the serious stuff, maybe? Depending on the, the tone, of course, with the Monsterverse, I prefer it in a sillier vein. So, I have, I, maybe not the perfect analogy, but I have an analogy. Um, I'm going to use Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop has serious episodes, and it has maybe not filler episodes, but episodes that are a lot more fun. And spoilers, it sort of ends in tragedy. So that's the perf- like. This is what you and I like, Caleb. Is that we like things that are serious, and we have no problem with uh, everything now and then being ham and cheese. There is nothing wrong because it elevates the seriousness. I don't always mm. want seriousness, but I also want ham and cheese to be fun, or at least make sense. At least have some logic to it. If it's that a weird makes conversation, because. This is also no um, Rick and Morty is the same way as what you just said, uh, huh. silly stuff, and then there'll be like some really serious. Um, like if you really get down, there's certain particular episodes that even though they still have all the the jokes and things, underlying it is like some real serious dark stuff um, on certain episodes, and then um, it's me and Caleb talked a little bit offline. Uh, a month or so ago and i only discovered bo berman and his comedy seriously uh more recently and if anyone is familiar with his work this is this is his this is exactly his thing bo berman, his style of comedy which is he'll do this really silly juvenile stuff and then he'll just twist it 
and everything gets real serious for a second and that's part of the appeal of what he does um it, and then we all know that's what makes food food good the sweet and the bitter and the, and you don't want just one or the other it's the it's the combination and the fusion um and i'll have more to say about this when we get into transformer stuff too i just had more ideas mm. about this but another i don't know if we're getting to final thoughts or not because it seems the conversation is crescendoing instead of tapering out but i was just trying to imagine like another thought experiment that just occurred to me just now which was because Caleb was talking about like the the different tone of some of the godzilla movies and then how legendary tried to bring it back i mean not legendary 2014 the first one got it more serious again and now it's starting to get more goofy with like the second legendary or third i mean um but and, and i really like shin godzilla in particular especially of, of all the live action japanese movies oh in the original mm-hmm. of course but and i was gonna say like and i was gonna say this earlier when we were talking about live action uh adaptations of like animes and i and i i made the racist comment of i mean done by a western studio not by an eastern studio because a lot of the live action eastern adapt adaptations are not so great um because they come off as cheap and like rushed and it doesn't feel like a lot of attention is given to them Uh, i'm speaking generally you know but you know the korean stuff with film and some of their television stuff they have Mm. some type of different look and style uh out of, out of the stuff I see that comes out of the East. And I just had an idea of, like, man, what if there could be a Godzilla movie produced in the East, but it was done by, like, a Korean studio, done the Korean way? And I feel like that would be, like, the most amazing thing ever. Do you guys get what I'm saying? I second your idea. I honestly yeah, second cool. your proposal. Because there's something about, the, like, the, the, you know, the style of Squid Game and, um, was it Train from Busan? Um mm-hmm. and uh and Parasite and uh even uh uh the movie about the train, Snowpiercer. Oh boy. Like if you could have that type of aesthetic of style and then it was a Godzilla IP or or kaiju oh my god, that seems like that'd be the perfect combination. And oh man, I don't know. That seems like that'd be the dream right there. I think there was a North Korean Godzilla film like back in the day. Oh god, I don't know anything about North that. Korean. You said I I believe I could be wrong on that, but I watched a YouTube video about it. Because I've never seen a North Korean anything. Uh, so. Yeah, well, if if there was any time where it could happen, Toho is Toho used to be incredibly protective, especially after '98. They didn't want. That's why they even kind of purposely decided in 2004 to put a break on the series they're like we don't want to saturate the market but yeah now they're they sold you know they have their rights with the americans they have kind of let some other anime studios come in and do some godzilla stuff so who who knows maybe they'd be open if a korean studio approached them i hope that does happen that'd be really cool i would go see it immediately i i would absolutely be there too yep (laughs) 